Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, sure, go ahead and take your seats. And um, I, I'm, I'm so blessed to be able to be here. And I was so blessed to be able to be at the conference this weekend with the ladies. I was so refreshed. I had just come off of two back-to-back conferences um, for our church in San Diego, our Cherish conferences. We hosted 2,400 ladies and it's been, it was, then I had a couple days to do the laundry and make food for my children. And then I got on a plane to come here and I came here a little physically tired, um, but I'm just like so spiritually fired up. And I just love what God's doing here. I, I just, it's such an amazing thing. I hope you guys know what a gift you have in this church and in your pastors. Incredible gift. and. And just, I just wanna echo everything that Pastor Eli was saying. Just, I know how much work it is to, to pull off a conference and, and the sleepless nights and the texts at 1 a.m. and all the things and, and, and you girls and the whole team and the media and the worship, everyone just excelled. What an amazing team. I think you guys need to just give yourselves a huge round of applause. <laughs> and I really wanna just thank um, your pastors and. And here's here's the situation. It is so important to honor. These two have been placed in this position by God and God alone. And they weren't asking for it. Did they want it? I don't even know. But what I do know is that even if there was questioning, I actually heard you say, Pastor Kelly, it's like I saw a vision of you in the future, and I heard you saying, I can't imagine doing anything else. And so the weight that these two took on for the sake of the city and this church is deserving of honor. Honoring is so important. They don't need it. They're not asking for it, but it's important for us to give it. We need to give it because it's right and God has anointed them and appointed them. And we need to honor the people that God has placed in the position to lead us, to shepherd us, to guide us, to help set us free, to heal, to grow, to take territory. So they don't need it, but we need to give it. Amen, amen. Go ahead and take your seats, beautiful pastors. Um, I. Those of you who are, yeah, I I really came out of the gate hot at conference. Um, (laughs) And I think I lit enough fire to last quite a while, hopefully. Um, And I am gonna, I am gonna, I need you to know out front that I am not a bipolar person, but you're gonna see another side of Pastor Becky today. So I'm always more than happy and wanting to light people up, to impart faith and courage and boldness. And I, and, I, and I do do that and I want to do that. But I wanna also do some ministry today that I think the Lord really wants to do. And so we changed my message at about 11.30 last night. Thank you media team for taking my late night texts. Um, 
But before I get into the message, I really do need to address something that I, I, I was like, oh, I couldn't shake just sharing this one part of the message that I was going to bring previously. So if you just bear with me, I'm going to take a little bit of a tangent this morning. But let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this time together. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing here. God, what a beautiful thing you're doing here. God, I thank you that your hand is upon this church. Your hand is upon this team and these beautiful pastors. God, I thank you that we just continue to do a mighty work for them to expand, to reach people for Jesus. God, to bring people into the kingdom, to set people free, to bring salvation and healing to those that need it. And God, I thank you for today. Just be with me, Lord, that they would be your words and not mine. God, I set myself aside and I allow you to just work through me. Have your way, Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Are we okay? Wait, were you at conference? Are we okay? Yeah, we're okay. good. We're good. <laughs> You're good. He came up and was playing so beautifully, and then I asked him to leave. <laughs> I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. Anyways. Before I get into my actual message, can you guys throw up Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8? All right. We, a lot of us know this scripture. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate. Interesting. A time for war and a time for peace. I just want to speak really quickly on the last three. We're, we're going to actually talk about um, uprooting, a time to plant and a time to harvest. And actually, another version is actually to uproot something. Um, but a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, and a time for war and a time of peace. Um, I just really feel, I, I do feel commissioned by God to, to send a message to the global church, not that I, you know, have such influence that I'm going to, like, reach the globe. I'm not, I'm not you know, being silly, but I do want to say, I think we are in the situation we are as a global church, so we need to understand the times and the seasons of our local church, where we're at, what season we're in, and we just went through a crazy season of transitions. There's going to be time to heal, time to restore, time to rebuild, and all those things, so we know that that's the season of your local church, okay, but we cannot disregard that we are actually a part of the global church, the whole church body. body. So we need to be aware of what our local church needs, but also what the church needs. And I will say this, that maybe it's been a few decades or a few centuries, I don't know, give or take a few. All I know is that the church has not done a very good job of speaking out. We do a really good job in speaking out on, you know, reaching people for the lost and healing broken hearts and, and getting people saved and families restored. But we have, we've neglected our ability to speak the truth. There's a truth deficit in this nation. And those who speak it are hated. And the further a nation moves away from the truth, the further away it moves from God. So we are having, we are in a godless nation right now. 
And so it's, and honestly, I'm not, I'm not being mean, but if we're the light carriers, the truth bearers, and the hope of the world, if it's dark out there, we have to take some responsibility as the church, because we're the ones that bring the light and the hope and the truth. So the church has been silent for way too long on things of the truth, the things that actually matter. And we have allowed the world to grow dark because we were either scared or intimidated. We didn't want to be bullied or backed down into a corner. And I think it's time that we show the church that we're not, a, or the world that we're not a bunch of pansies. We're not just soft and weak and timid and passive. Absolutely not. Jesus Christ is the lion and the lamb, for gosh sakes. Jesus walked into a church, and in his righteous anger, he flipped over tables, and then the next sentence he says, and then he healed people. We can do both. We can turn over tables, and then in a moment, go minister to someone. I think we need more turning over table type of Christians. And I know some of you are looking at me like, wait, here's the here's deal. Church isn't supposed to be involved in politics. That's what they say anyways. It's a, it's a poor teaching, it's a misunderstanding, and it's false. That, the separation of church and state was so that the government would come into the church and tell us how to have our religious services, all right? It wasn't that we were supposed to take out of politics or government. So, so here's the deal though. They came into our territory and started to tell us what to do. Absolutely not. They're telling us what we can and can't preach, what we can and can't say. And they actually, it's not even political issues, you guys. It's biblical issues. We're talking about the sanctity of human life. We're talking about marriage. We're talking about identity. We're talking about all these things. They're biblical issues. It's not political. Don't let the word political shut you down. It's a biblical issue. And if you tell me that the church isn't supposed to be involved in biblical political issues, we've got it wrong. Because what we're actually saying is, who's the church? Who's the church? You guys, right? Not a building. Not a figurative thing. It's us. And so here's, it, so what you're, when people say the church isn't supposed to be involved in politics, Let's remove it for a second, take a step back. So what you're actually saying is Christian people who have righteousness are not supposed to be involved in politics. And so you're actually saying the only people that are allowed to make the decisions that we have to live under for the rest of our lives are people that are unrighteous and wicked and ungodly. It's madness. It's madness. If, if righteous people, there's, it, it's mentioned when it says... Uh, when the wicked are leading, the people groan. When the righteous are ruling, the people rejoice. The word righteous is mentioned 206 times, and in every single time it's mentioned, it's mentioned either by because Jesus or a, a godly biblical figure in the Bible or a person that loved and served and obeyed God. So that word, so when the righteous are ruling, the people rejoice. So that tells me God actually expects the righteous, godly Christian to rule so that we can rejoice, so that we can be free, that we can believe what we wanna believe and then share the gospel to teach our children what they need to know without being shut down by a government. I'm sorry, I don't co-parent with the government. I don't know who they think they are. So that, so time to speak, it's time to speak up. If there's a truth deficit, we have to take responsibility. A time to uh, Heal, I think it was heal and then a time to kill, right? Yes, wait. 
Um, I, this, this version was a little bit different. I just want to, oh, a time to love and a time to hate. And again, I mentioned it. I think we do a really amazing job of loving people. I don't think we could be accused of unloving, being unloving towards people. We love everybody. We do a really good job at that. We're not, we don't do a really good job at hating. And when I say that, in the passion, in the enthusiasm that we, we express to love people, we should have that much passion and fire towards the things that are evil and wicked and hate them with everything in us. If you don't have a hatred for wickedness, we're gonna tolerate wickedness in our lives. We must hate evil things. And a time for war and a time for peace. I think, you know, everybody wants peace, hello. No brainer, no one's pumped on war. But we forget that in order to have peace, there has to be war. There was peace in heaven, and then when, when Satan, who was an angel, a worshiper, decided to become wicked and evil, to, to overthrow the wickedness that actually manifested in heaven, there had to be war. The Bible says a war broke out in heaven, the most peaceful place on the planet. War broke out in heaven. And God the Father didn't fight that war. Michael fought the war, another angel. God actually trusted and empowered another person to fight wickedness, to get rid of wickedness and cast it down to the earth. So I, I find myself sometimes going, God, can't you just go Old Testament on everyone? Can't you just like open up the earth and swallow all the wicked people? Can, you do, can we just go Old Testament just for a day? It'd be amazing. But he actually, that's, God, God didn't even do that in heaven. He didn't, he didn't take care of it. He actually entrusted other people. So when he cast down the devil and his demons to the earth, he actually is expecting us to rise up. We need to pray. Our, our, our warfare is not against natural things, but principalities and powers. So we need to pray. We need to bring those kingdoms of darkness down. But God's just not going to do it for us. We have to do it. He expects us to take dominion in the earth and to overcome evil and wickedness. He's empowered us to do that. And so we have to understand that it, there is a time for war so that we can have peace. And if the righteous people aren't willing to warfare, there will be no peace in our futures and for our children. Amen? Okay, I should probably move on now. To transition, how about I show you a photo of my children? I have a family photo. Okay, that's not my dog. It was, it was midnight. I just found the first one that all of us were in. It's just not my dog. My handsome husband, look how cute he is. He's like a Ken doll. He's so wonderful to me. Oh, he has to put up with so much. He's, he's a dreamy, he's a dreamy man. This is my oldest son, Hudson. He just turned 14. My 13-year-old, Holton, and my nine-year-old daughter, Henley. And that is Chola. I have a dog, I don't like it. Lord. 
I never wanted a dog, and that was an agreement John and I had when we got married. Our first date, you'll appreciate this, Eli. Because we weren't messing around. We, we, we just, let's figure out if we're right for each other. So on our first date, he go, <laughs> I go, okay, so do you ever want pets? And he goes, no. I'm like, okay, good, I can continue dating you. <laughs> and then he goes, because my whole family's contractors. We built beautiful custom homes. I grew up on the job site. My dad would send five of us kids, and we would literally lay the flooring. So if anything happened to those houses, I was a juvenile. I don't take responsibility. Um, but yeah, so he goes, so he knew that about me. He goes, well, do you care if I just pay someone to fix stuff? Like, would you want me to fix stuff? I'm like, no, you can totally pay someone to do it. He's like, okay, we can continue. <laughs> Literally, we talked about having pets or that he wouldn't have to fix things around the house if this ever pursued into anything. We're very random, very random. But anyways, um, okay, so actually now into my message, and I'm gonna have to skip through some parts, but I felt that I really needed to say what I, what I said. So the title of my message this morning is Get to the Root. Get to the Root. So I always thought I wanted a garden. Like, I just thought it would be like a really fun idea. And so when we moved into our former house, there was a whole garden area set up. There was a planter, there was just, there was a watering system, it was huge. It was a huge part of our yard. And, and I kept telling, and so John's always like, babe, you've always wanted a garden, like, it's right there, it's ready. And I just, I never planted anything. So for eight years, that mound of dirt was watered very thoroughly. And no life came up from it, because I never planted any seeds. But anyway, so then we moved into our new house, and then once again, there was this whole area that needed to be redone. I'm like, babe, we should totally have a garden. And he goes, No. It's like the treadmill that you wanted that you never used, and six years later, we had to sell it for 100 bucks. He's like, no. And so I was like, I, was, I don't know why. I just really thought it was a good idea in theory. And so I said, how about we do, so it was going to cost a lot of money because I need planter boxes and this and that. Um, but I eventually was like, I sold him when I said this. I was like, babe, what if I'm making salad and I want a carrot? for my salad. I could just go get one from the garden and put it in my salad, like right there. And he's just like, oh my gosh. He's like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll build you a garden. And again, I thought it was a great idea in theory until I remembered the whole tending and the keeping thing. Um, I did no research, absolutely none. I didn't know what grew in what season. I didn't know how things grew, nothing. I let my eight-year-old pick out whatever she wanted to grow. And so we started growing things. I did try to uh, plant carrots, but then it was, it said plant two little seeds every like two inches apart, and these seeds are like um, sand grains. And so I did it for a little bit, and then I'm like, this is so dumb. And so I just like burned the whole back. <laughs> I was just like going, come on, miracle in Jesus' name, you know, prayed in tongues over it. Um, I never got a carrot, um, but I did have some success. So, so I, I, I want to show you how proud I am that I grew some green peppers. Show them my peppers. Aren't they so nice? I know, they tasted so good too. And then I grew tomatoes. Those worked really well. Okay, every day I'll get a little handful that I can take out of my garden. And then I grew herbs. I had lots of them, very overgrown. But can you see there's holes in all of them? Yeah, 
So I don't really use herbs. I used the rosemary when I decorated for Christmas, and that's about it. And so now, like, all of this is just little tasty treats for the garden worms. Like, I don't use them. They're, they're just there. And so, but the two things I grew that I didn't know grew in vines were watermelons and cucumbers. And so I didn't, I didn't know that plants grew in different directions. Don't judge me. I've never had a garden, okay? But so I, I planted these things, and look at these things. It was, and that was before, this was like pre-ripping them out. Like, this was, this was insane. And so every day, what would happen, these little nasty vines, go ahead and show them the next photo, would wrap themselves around all my other plants. Overnight, they'd go like this, like six times. And so I, and it was, so this is what would happen. So these plant, my tomatoes, they're all trying to grow. Then these vines would latch on, and then they would start to like bend down and be pulled down. So these vines were literally pulling down from me being able to produce healthy fruit and vegetables in, in the rest of my garden. And so every morning I'd go, I'd walk out and I'd snap, 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 snap. I'd get the vines off all my other producing fruit. And so even though, even though there was little cucumbers and little tomatoes or, or uh, watermelons growing on these vines, I just got so sick of it. I got sick of dealing with the vines. And so just one morning I like went out in a fury and I just ripped everything out. And now, look how nice it is. <laughs> now I have like way more things. That, the other things have grown a lot. But I was like, look, at, it's, like, it's cleaned up. And it made me happy. My kids were very sad. Oh, they were so sad because they were so excited. But I didn't have the patience or the time to deal. I, d- I just couldn't do it. And so this is what ended up happening. I ripped everything out in a fury. I rushed through the process, and it looked really good on the surface for a really long time. And I thought I got everything until the next season. They started to grow back because I did not get the roots. So I didn't actually get rid of the problem because I didn't deal with the root of the problem. I just cleaned things up on the surface enough to make it look and appear that everything was cleaned up and nice. Hebrews 12, 15 says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness, in this case, springs up to cause trouble and defile many. And so because the roots were still there, it was just a matter of time before they manifested on the surface again, causing trouble to my producing plants. Ecclesiastes 3, 2 says, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what was planted. So before I get into the roots, which is the base of my message, I want to talk about the vines first. And this is, this is just something I was just thinking about this morning. So like I had mentioned when I was just even thinking about the image in my head of like how the vines would wrap around. And these, they were so perfect. And those tomatoes, and everything was growing so, so well and so strong. But every day those vines would wrap around them and li- they, they'd be bent, bent over and like pulled towards the ground. Because then the vines wanted to drag it along the ground. And I wonder if we actually had to put a name to some vines in our life. You're doing well, you're growing, you're you know, getting healthy and strong, fruits budding and all these things. And then there's those little things that wrap itself around the producing healthy things that make the healthy thing become unhealthy because it's attached, an unhealthy thing is attached to a healthy thing. I think you could call these vines bitterness, unforgiveness undealt with pain or grief or selfishness or jealousy or pride, all those things that actually, you're doing well, but that, oh, that thing, it just keeps pulling you down. 
I think it can represent the things I just mentioned. I think those vines can represent people in our lives. We have all the potential in the world to grow and be healthy, do amazing things and produce great fruit. But we've allowed ourselves to be attached to someone that keeps uh, bringing us down. Oh, and you have all the potential in the world, but unless you snap off that vine, you're not gonna get back up and start growing. We have to do a self-assessment. Is someone or something in my life pulling me down, keeping me from reaching my full potential and producing all the fruit that God wants me to produce in this life? So I wanna get to the root now. And that was actually, God gives me a theme for every year. And at the beginning of the year, he told me it's time to uproot unhealthy things from your heart. And that was my specific word. But then what I actually found is in all the conversations I was having with people, you'd hear them say things like, oh, oh, I thought I dealt with this. I dealt with this year and it, it, now it's back. Like I was insecure and why am I feeling all these things now again? And you know, and it was this theme in every conversation. It wasn't like a first time issue. It was issues that had circled back around and now affecting their life again. And they were so frustrated and, and it couldn't be because we just again cleaned things up enough and did a rush job, you know, and thought that all of our issues were dealt with and it looks good enough to be able to deceive and, and fool everyone else that we're doing okay and then move on until the next season when you get triggered again. So, I really believe this is the year that God's asking us to uproot things in our lives. Uproot some things, and I, I think we probably all have many things, if we're being honest, including myself, but I think just for the sake of this morning, let's just think about one thing. We can all do one thing, because here's the deal. Like, we, can, we listen to messages, and there's all these points, and we think they're all amazing, we're so pumped up, and then we get home, we don't apply any of them, and then we're just the same the next Sunday. It's like, if we just, every message we took one, one thing, I'm gonna apply it to my life. How does this apply? How can I work it out? How can this change my heart? How can I become a better person, a better believer, a better Christian, a better lover of Christ? Never underestimate the power of one thing being resolved in your life. I, for 10 years, struggled with anxiety, insecurity, and control. I, it, I was, I'd, everyone knows I was a psycho. And I say that about myself, I totally was a psycho. All cheers to my former self. <laughs> Total psycho. I kept it under wraps enough for John to put a ring on it, and then when he did, wow! Boy, did I scare him. Because now I was like, you can't hang out with your friends. You can't go to the Charger game because what if you like the cheerleaders? And you run into a cheerleader and you end up running off with her. You can't watch TV because what if a Victoria's Secret commercial came on? We can't go to the beach because there's people in swimsuits and everyone else that's beautiful is a threat to me. And I literally gave him all these, he couldn't even live. He's like, I can't, can I, can I go to the kitchen? Like, I terrified the man. Because I, I was anxious, I was fear, I was, but it, the thing was, I didn't have to, to deal with anxiety. I read all the self-help books on you know codependency, anxiety, insecurities, but none of that helped, two reasons. One, because those were the symptoms of the root of the problem that was fear. Fear was the root and it's a spirit. 
the spirit of fear manifests in those behaviors and symptoms. So I could never overcome those issues by just reading self-help books on overcoming insecurity because it was the fear that was making me insecure and I had to get rid of the root. And, I, and, and the books and the counseling and all things, they're, they're wonderful tools, but you cannot treat a demon with a self-help book. Demons have to be cast out. You cannot medicate a demon. You need to be set free. So once I got set free from a spirit of fear, it was overnight my whole life changed. Thing that threatened me, shut me down, made me cry hysterically. It was like the power over it left. And then I still had a, a, a thought process system to kind of renew my mind and train myself like how to stay free. So you can get free in a moment, but then it's our responsibility to stay free and change behaviors and mindsets and belief systems. But it changed my whole life. And it wasn't just my relationship, it changed my work relationships, how I behaved in meetings, I kept getting in trouble in meetings. And all these things got so much healthier because I got rid of one root. One root. So I think we can do one today, right? Let's do one. So to give you a little bit of context, um, you know, I shared a little bit how I used to be a psycho, yes. But, um, you know, we were at a, our staff retreat, and we have this minister come in uh, once a year, hopefully, and he's a, he's a powerful healing, um, he, he, he operates in healing and freedom and deliverance uh, for like the last 50 years. And so we're sitting at staff retreat, and he's sharing all these messages, and I'm just getting triggered. I'm like, why am I emotional at everything? Oh, my gosh. Like, I felt all this stuff happening, and I'm like, I need a private session. Like, I don't want to just do this in the group. Like, I have lots happening right now, like, internally. And so thank God I was able to have a private session. And so I met with him, and, I, and this is what I said to him. And I, I wrote some of it down because I recorded it, and I don't, I don't want to mess it up because I think it's really powerful. But I, I just described to him, like, how I feel in my life. Like, I, I feel numb. I go, I love my life. I love my church. I love my family. I, I love my friends. I love what I get to do. But there's a part of me that feels numb. Like, I can't. I re, and I remember being clued into this when I was in Hawaii with my pastor, Pastor Leanne, and Pastor Emma. And we were at this amazing conference. And I'm watching them experience life. Like, I'm watching it through their eyes. I'm like, I... I don't even know how to feel what you're expressing. I remember sitting at the end of the conference just talking about all the amazing things that God did and we were having a margarita overlooking the sunset and it was just, it was picturesque, it was perfect. And they were just going on and on about all these things. They were so happy and joyful and I just looked at them, I'm like, I don't know how to do that. I don't feel those things. And then I just pretend, because I was like, I don't wanna look like I'm a Debbie Downer. So I'm like, yeah, so amazing. But I didn't know how to muster up those feelings. And so I told Pastor Mike that that's how I was feeling. And then I explained my past, you know. Dad left in eighth grade. Just, you know, you feel rejected, unloved. Like, why wouldn't you say I wasn't enough? And so you start looking for love in all the wrong places. And so because you don't date your potential, you date your self-esteem. I just started dating all these drug users and abusers. And it was a horrible season of my life being abused. And I remember being just so humiliated, like trying to leave parties. And I, my boy would just keep pushing me down on the dirt for whatever. I'm like, I just want to go. And then I'd get up and then he'd push me back down. And everybody's laughing. I got carried out of stores thrown over shoulders. It was, just, it was just an embarrassing, horrible time in my life. Every single person I dated 
had multiple, they would cheated on me multiple times, but I never left because I didn't know if I was worthy of anything better. And I never ended those relationships. They always ended them when they were finished with me and would just discard me to the side. So I was explaining these things to Pastor Mike, and this is what he told me. You have a broken heart. He said, because you have suffered such severe rejection over and over again, and because you suffered severe rejection in your past, you have closed off a part of your heart in order to protect yourself. And by shutting off a part of your heart to protect yourself, you also shut off a part of your heart to feel. And because you're on, now you're unable to have a healthy flow of intimacy and emotion in relationships because you have shut off a part of your heart. I was so surprised by this because that would be the last thing I would think that I suffered from like a spirit of rejection because I, I feel like quite confident and I, I like myself, so I thought. And so this is what he told me to do and if you're writing things down, this would be a good process to write down. He said, you need to sit with the Holy Spirit day after day for at least a couple weeks. Have worship music on like this. Not the rah-rah praise, not that you wanna sing along, just worship music that engages your heart with God. And he said that in his presence, with worship music playing, I need you to start writing down every day a name of a person. And then you would write down the hurtful experiences that they caused you and the pain you felt because of those experiences. He said you need to write out all your feelings, good or bad and you process them with the Lord. And he said, then you need to do this, and this is so important. He said, you need to repent for holding on to any unforgiveness or resentment. He said, then you need to release forgiveness. And he says, allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you until I could pray and bless those who wounded me. Doesn't mean you get back into relationship with them. It means I have released you from what you did to me because I don't want to be tormented anymore. You may not deserve it, but I deserve to be free. And then I would get to the place where I could just pray, God, just help them. Clearly they were broken to do this to me. God, I pray you would meet them and you would find them and you would save them and you would heal them. God, that there'd be a massive transformation in their lives so no one would ever have to suffer at their hands again. And I did that day after day, person after person. And then one day the Holy Spirit said, I need you to write your name down on that piece of paper. I'm like, what? So I wrote my name at the top of that paper and I started writing things down and I was so shocked what came to the surface. I was, I was literally manifesting. Like I was clenching my fists and I was clenching my jaw. And this, these feelings of disgust washed over me. Like this self-hate, this embarrassment. I despised myself for being so weak. I hated myself for putting up with that. I was disgusted at myself for allowing myself to be so mistreated and I was so weak. I hated myself and I realized in that moment I wasn't suffering from rejection from other people. I actually had rejected myself. 
rejected myself so much so that I had medical conditions. Because here's the thing, when, I, when you hate yourself, when you reject yourself, you're rejecting and hating your own DNA. And you put a curse on yourself. You're cursing your own body. I had issues the doctors did not know how to deal with. I was on five times medication of a normal dose in one of my ailments. And nothing, it, never, it didn't help. But what I realized after I walked through this, after I actually got to hear what the Holy Spirit thought, how God thought about me, understanding my true identity, how I am loved and I forgive and I'm strong and I'm brave and I'm courageous with Him. Without even realizing it, I stopped taking my medication. And six months later, I went for blood work and I was completely normal, completely healed. I did nothing except get set free from self-hate and self-rejection. I had cursed my own body. So, and I had thought I had dealt with all these things. You can go ahead and take your seats. We're gonna get into a ministry moment in just a moment. I did a lot of work way back when. And then my husband got home from men's conference. We have an Emerge conference every year. And the question they always commission the men with when they get home from conference is this. You need to sit down with your wife, look her right in the eye, and you ask this question. Do you feel deeply loved by me? I think is a scary question to ask. It's a difficult question to ask. And I would normally just fire back, yes, I feel so loved by you, because he does love me so well. But years later, after I went through all of this freedom from rejection, I sat on that couch and I went to respond, and it was like nothing came out of my mouth. And then I just looked down. And so he's just like, babe, uh, you okay? Like, what's happening? And I just sat there, I was like, answer the freaking question, woman. Like, ah. So I just was quiet and I just prayed. I'm like, God, why, what's my problem, what's my problem? And then I just, without even knowing what I was gonna say out of my mouth, I just shouted back and I said, I know you love me, but I don't feel lovable. I said, no matter how much you love me, I can't receive it because I don't feel worthy of your love. And I'm like, oh my gosh, here we are again. Like you thought you. But here's the thing, either I didn't finish the work and I rushed it, or maybe God was ready to bring up another area, a deeper level of healing and freedom for me. I don't know. All I know it was now my responsibility to walk through this next journey with Him. And I remember waking up that next morning and just being in a constant state of prayer and I heard the Holy Spirit say, why is it, Becky, that you never wanna celebrate your birthday? My friends hate it. Like, what do you do? I'm like, no, oh, uh, 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 no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Oh, good, good. Let's go out to dinner with John. Every year they want to do something, and every year I say no. And he's like, why do you do that? And I, I just, I, I don't feel worthy to be celebrated. There's something still in me that doesn't feel celebration worthy. And so I had to go back and really do a deep, deep dive 
to uproot the things I thought I dealt with years ago, but they were manifesting in my life again. Does it disqualify me that I'm still dealing with stuff? No. No. I think it, if I'm being honest, I think it qualifies me even more. Because I'm honest with myself and how I'm really doing. It's when we try to hide things beneath the surface that it really messes with our lives. And so I think there's no height that God cannot take me because I'm willing to stay on the wheel. And I'm willing to grow and to be teachable, to be convicted and challenged to change. The Bible says in Philippians 1.6, be confident in this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ. So that means we should always be in process in something. We're not completed until Jesus comes back. So what is he working on in you? What is he working on in you? And I'm just gonna close and I'm so sorry I'm over time. I did it again. I'm gonna pray. So just in your seat, close your eyes. Just turn your palms to heaven. Don't lift them up. You're gonna get tired. Just turn them towards heaven. Hey, friends. I need you to know that God cannot heal what you're committed to hiding. And he cannot bless who you're pretending to be. Your secrets will keep you stuck. So the one thing, Lord, Holy Spirit, just in these closing moments, it's gonna be something different for each one. Holy Spirit, reveal to them the root, not the symptom, not the behavior. If, you, if you're sitting here and you're, don't get distracted by the behavior, the addiction or the anger or the jealousy or the pride. What's actually beneath that? Why are you jealous? Ask why. Holy Spirit, why? I think jealousy is my issue, but why am I jealous? Do I not see myself how you see me? Do I have an identity problem? Why am I angry? Why do I, why am I angry all the time? What area of your life feels out of control that you feel like you have to turn to anger to get what you want? What's the why behind the behavior? Lord, so I just pray over every heart and every mind. God, I thank you that in these moments, you're speaking to your beautiful children revealing to them a root that they may not even know existed. For 25 years, I didn't know my root existed. And I thank you for your love and your grace to bring it up. And he doesn't bring things up to expose you or embarrass you. He brings things up in your life to heal you. So I thank you that even as they go home, God, they would spend time with you, listening to worship, journaling, discovering the root, moving past the painful experiences so, Lord, they could experience all of you and go to the great heights that you've called them to. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. 
Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.